Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise with Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group, your financial and retirement guide. By the way, have we said thank you enough because each and every Sunday you make this show and we want to show you our gratitude by saying thank you on this Sunday morning. Thanks for making us a part of your listenership and thanks for making USA Wealth a part of your lives as well because you know they protect your family and they protect your money. And who else but Ray Lance to tell us more about that. Good morning, Ray. Good Sunday morning, Phil. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. Today is Mother's Day. And for anybody listening who is a mother, happy Mother's Day. And gentlemen, if you are married and you have children, remember to say happy Mother's Day to your wife. Oh, my goodness. If you have to remind them, <laughs> they're, they're in trouble already. <laughs> it's a very important day. Phil, do you know what the origin of Mother's Day is? Tell me. This is a trick question. Ah. The Greeks. How do, you, how do you figure that now? The Greeks actually began celebrating Mother Day, Mother's Day. This is how we began to have Mother's Day. How, how, what do you mean? This is well, news to me. It goes back all the way to the annual spring festival that the Greeks dedicated to the maternal goddesses. And they used the occasion to celebrate uh, the, uh, a woman named Rhea, the wife of Cronus. I think that must stand for time. And she's considered the mother of many deities of Greek mythology. So the first recorded history of celebrating Mother's Day began with the Greeks. Well, as they said in my big fat Greek wedding, everything comes from the Greeks. And then the ancient Romans picked it up from there. See, the Greeks invented it, and then the Greeks, then the Romans followed afterwards, and they changed things slightly. But it's to the Greeks that we really owe what is true and unique and original as we say in Masonic literature. But the ancient Romans uh, celebrated uh, a festival called Hilaria, which sounds like hilarious. And I assume it must be a a form of celebration. Then the early Christians celebrated a Mother's Day of sorts uh, during the fourth Sunday of Lent in honor of the Virgin Mary. More recently, Mother's Day began in the 1600s in England when they had a Mothering Sunday, basically to... Um, honor the Virgin Mary and to honor mothers as well. And then more recently, uh, Mother's Day began uh, in this country. Um, Ironically, it began with Julia Ward Howe, who's well known for having written the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And a lot of people don't realize this. The history is really quite interesting. Uh, She suggested that June 2nd be celebrated annually as a Mother's Day and should be dedicated to peace. And she urged all women to rise up against war in her famous Mother's Day Proclamation, which was written in Boston in 1870. So we have not only ancient Greek roots, we have Roman roots. We have uh, a celebration that began in Boston after the Civil War with a woman who wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic. So we have Boston roots as well in celebrating Mother's Day. And then more recently, there was a woman named... Uh, Anna Jarvis, and she was considered the modern founder of Mother's Day in the United States. She never married. She never had children, but she pressed hard to have a day of celebration to honor all mothers. She was really the inspiration of it, and she expressed her desire that at some point in time, 
There would be a day set aside to honor all mothers living and dead and to pay tribute to the contributions made by mothers. So in any event, um, although her mother, Anna Jarvis, died in 1905, she resolved to create a National Mother's Day, and she first suggested that there be carnations at a church service service in Grafton, West Virginia, to honor her mother. And so for a long time, carnations became the favorite flower to celebrate uh, Mother's Day. Remember Mother's Day. In 1911 in this country, Mother's Day was celebrated in virtually every state in the Union. And then finally, on May 8, 2014, excuse me, May 8, 1914, 100 years ago in one year, President Woodrow Wilson signed a joint resolution which said the second Sunday in May is now officially Mother's Day. So really a very interesting history of how Mother's Day began. And today we're going to be talking about Mother's Day. We're going to be talking about some things you can do to not only honor your mother, but to protect your mother financially and to make sure that your mother, who's probably going to live longer than your father does, for example, lives her life in some comfort and peace and some financial security. We also have with us this morning Pamela McLeod Lima, who's the executive director of the Women's Center, uh, New Bedford Women's Center, and she has been for 13 years. Pamela, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be here. Happy Sunday morning. Thank you very much, and, and we really appreciate your being here. You know, the work that the New Bedford Women's Center does is so important. It's not just about mothers. It's not just entirely about women, which is a misconception. It also helps any victim of abuse, both male and female, but Primarily, I know that Center works locally and internationally to help uh, improve the lives of victims of sexual assault and domestic violence. And I guess you have a 35-year history in this organization, don't you? Well, actually, um, I've been with the organization, as you said, for 13 years, but the organization's actually been around for 42 years. 42. 42nd year. And, uh, and it's been part of the local community for that time. And not just as a service organization, although we are that. We're also a social justice organization. Good. So we're rooted in feminism, that, the F word that people get so scared of today. That's the best F word, <laughs> feminism. <laughs> it really is. But unfortunately, some of the younger women have fallen away from feminism. They don't want to claim the title. But uh, if you do look back at the roots of it, the roots are really about justice. It's about social justice. It's about women having access to to money, for instance. I mean, that that's something that's very important to women. When I was first asked to be on the show, I thought it's kind of ironic for me to be on a show about money when uh, I run a nonprofit and we're famous for not having money. Mm-hmm. And also we're going to talk the, about that, too. And, and also the women that we serve are very disempowered and, and financially um, in, in terrible straits very often. And one of our goals when we serve these women is not just to get them away from violence, to make sure that they have, as our tagline says, a future free from violence, but that also they learn how to take care of themselves, be independent, and in fact, um, managing money is a very important part of that. Extremely important. Pamela, let me ask you a few questions about your background. I know that you had done work in your hometown of Cambridge, and you had done work with uh, victims of domestic violence, I guess, correct? Well, I actually started out uh, working with a friend of mine. When I was in high school, a friend of mine uh, was the victim of a sexual assault. And I saw what happened with that process. And there was a, 
uh, an organization then that helped her. And I started working uh, then with the with with victims of sexual assault in terms of answering the hotline and helping out. And the interesting thing that I saw was that the the justice part of it, the court part of it, didn't really provide the closure that one would think. Mm-hmm. I, she actually had a good result, and uh, and there was justice for her. But I remember her turning to me in the courthouse after the sentence uh, was was stated by the judge, and she said why don't I feel all better? I thought I'd be all better now. Wow. And I realized there was a bigger piece to the healing of a sexual assault victim. Sure. And then that organization also uh, worked on domestic violence issues, and so I started to work also in that field as well. And so that was something I did for, as a volunteer for years as I pursued my career in business. And And some years ago, a friend of mine came to me and said, you know, you should actually bring your volunteer work and your business work together because a lot of these organizations are in need of good business leadership. And and you could really be able to do really some good work if you did that. If you And also get off the darn planes because it's just getting too dangerous to fly all the time, which is what I was doing at the time. I was doing cultural consulting abroad. I know you were and, overseas for a while. You were in yes. uh, in France and you were in uh, Italy. Yes, University yes. of Rome in, in uh, Bologna. In Bologna, yes. Uh, and it, it was it was a wonderful time, and uh, and I had the opportunity to do it while I was young, and enjoy not only being there but also enjoy having the opportunity to attend university, and then come back. I had attended university here, um, started out my career in uh, American University and then went to Europe, and then continued when I came back. But to have both of those uh, was really valuable to me because having the experience of living in another country and at first not knowing the language and having to learn the language and acquire the language makes me, I think, much more compassionate towards the individuals that we have that are immigrants that come here, and they really need cultural competence. They need an organization like ours to be able to have enough people that understand them that that they can speak in their own language because when you're in crisis, you may have another language that you've acquired, but it's not the go-to language when you're hurting. Mm. So what languages are typically spoken, for example, at the Women's Center? Well, in, in our area, it's usually Spanish and Portuguese, Okay. most frequently Spanish because we, we do take people from all across uh, Massachusetts and actually all across the nation. And the Women's Center, since I've been there, has gotten an excellent reputation for cultural competence. And so... We really are able to meet people where they are culturally and and give them the support that they need. And that's very, I learned how important that was. I remember sitting in Rome the first week I was there and just sitting at a cafe and crying and saying, you know, this is like every other big city in the world except nobody understands me. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and, and, and when you've gone through that, I think it makes you much more compassionate towards people who are experiencing that and, oh, then have a crisis where they've been injured, harmed, uh, and are at risk. And that makes it even more important that they're able to be understood. Well, let's talk just a little bit more about you. I know that in 2009, you were named an unsung heroine by the Massachusetts Commission on the Status of Women because of your particular background and dedication in helping victims of violence, abuse, and trauma. Well, I really appreciated that, uh, although I think I'm not as unsung as many of the women that do receive that award every year. They give out a number of awards uh, at the State House, and it's a lovely event. Uh, you really feel quite uh, 
uh, cherished, and it's it, it really is nice to be recognized. But, you know, I have the opportunity to do shows like this. I have the opportunity to have a microphone. So I'm not as uh, as, as unsung as many of the people that receive this award that really work in their community and do wonderful things and are not recognized for it. So I did appreciate it, but I, I, I felt like it maybe wasn't deserved in that um, I'm, I'm a little bit more sung than other people are in a sense. Well, today we're going to sing a little bit about you, but let's talk a little bit more about the Women's Center. Now, is there a residential component to the Women's Center? If people don't have a place to say that they've been maybe assaulted or abused and they need a place to, to be. Yes, and that's that's why, as I said, the, the language barrier is, is an important barrier to make sure uh, that we knock down because in a residential setting with someone's every... Uh, every effort to take care of themselves uh, needs to be understood. It's mo- very of utmost importance that we can provide those services in a language that's familiar. We do have three residential settings, actually. We have three shelters okay. that are for domestic violence victims, but also for victims of sexual assault, because sometimes um, a- an assault happens and it is somebody close to them, or some is is known to the family, and they can't stay in that setting. So we are open to victims, all victims, all ages. And as you said, we, uh, we, we serve, uh, also we have a child trauma program that serves the children, mm-hmm. which is very important to have when in the residential setting. Those, those, those children that come in can immediately see a child trauma specialist to address uh, any issues that they have as a result of the trauma, either as primary victims or secondary victims. You know, when you're not a primary victim, but you see your mother, uh, being sure. assaulted, that's that's really very, very traumatizing for a child. Oh, of course. What's a typical length of stay for somebody in the residential facility? Well, it's interesting. There's no, there, there's not really a time limit, but the, uh, the length of stay is usually around three months, uh, three to four months, be, because be, it depends on their needs. You know, our purpose is to get them settled into more permanent housing. Sure, of course. To make sure that they have uh, career development and all of those things, and that takes time. And sometimes we have people who have other issues that makes it harder to place them, so they'll stay a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. The typical stay is really about three to four months. So what if a woman has been a victim of abuse and she needs a place for shelter and has, say, two young children? Is she able to go there with her young children as well? Absolutely. We have children in the shelter. We have teens in the shelter. We have all ages. In okay. fact, we take, uh, there's uh, some shelters that will not take boys over 18. Um, we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also take transgendered individuals. We take men. If, they're, if you're a victim of violence, mm-hmm. then we serve you. Uh, although we're called the Women's Center, we serve just the way, you know, this is Mother's Day. So women are concerned about all people. So even though it's the Women's Center, we serve male victims as well. We serve children. We serve elders. Everyone. You know, one of the things we have in this country is a, a significant inequality amongst wages that are paid to women compared to men. I read an article recently that said it's estimated that it's going to take until approximately the year 2052 before we can expect to really achieve equality in this country for wages paid to women. And that's just crazy. It's just it doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're aware of it, then why don't we do something about it? You know, I, I do a presentation uh, to different organizations on women's issues, and that's a, one of the most huge women's issue. 
And people don't realize uh, that, you know, when I first started out um, as a feminist, and I will name myself such, uh, many years ago, I won't say how many years ago, we were making 50 cents on the dollar. And now some 30 or 40 years later, we're making 75 cents. So we've we've gained 25 cents in 40 years. Yay, us. Uh, That's not fair. No, it isn't. It's not equity. And if we know where we are, then we, we know where we should be going. Mm. And that's and, and and that's a huge issue for women. Very often women are the caregivers for children. They are, especially in this area, the number of women supporting ch- single moms at home is extremely high, and they're all living at or below the federal poverty level. That's appalling in our society that we don't address that. It's just appalling. Well, I think being a mother... In society today, and probably historically as well, is one of the most important things that somebody can be. I know in my family, my dad was in the military service for 20 years, and he was overseas in World War II in the Pacific as a Marine when I was born. And he didn't see me until I was a couple of years old. And then he was away in Korea for over a year. And then later he had. Uh, when I was in high school, he was away in Okinawa for uh, 15 months, I think it was. Wow. And my mother was the force in our family. She was the teacher. She was the consoler. She was the counselor. You know, she she was the the solid person in the household who was always present. And I suspect that's true for a lot of people. Uh, Phil, you're blessed to have your mother still with you. And yes, and that is true. Blessed is true. I need to tell one little story about my own mother. My mother lived with me for 16 years. She was by herself um, in Hyannis. Uh, She and my father were divorced at one point in time, uh, actually when I was in law school. And she was on her own for a long time after that. She never married again. And at one point in time, we had her come and live with us. And it was while my own children were in high school. And every single day, she was up every single morning And she waved to them. She had a little cottage out in the back. She waved to them every single morning when they left to go to school. And every single day when they got dropped off after school, she was in the doorway to greet them and look out for them and go spend some time with them. Um, She not only took care of me and my sister and my brother, but she took care of my children. She was an amazing woman. And so it was really my privilege to be able to take care of her for 16 years and uh, she didn't pay a nickel in rent when she did that. So mothers are a blessing, and if you are fortunate to have a mother today on Mother's Day, make sure you visit your mother, make sure you say something kind to your mother. You should do it every day anyway, but especially on Mother's Day, remember your mother today. So let me ask about some of the other kinds of uh, services that are provided. We're talking with Pamela McLeod Lima, who's the executive director of the Women's Center in New Bedford. Is that the proper title? Is it New Bedford Women's Center? Is that the title? Well, our actual uh, legal name is New Bedford Women's Center, Inc. Okay. But we're known as the Women's Center. Also because uh, when I came a number of years ago, we had the opportunity to expand our services into the greater Fall River area, which we did. And it gets a little confusing for them there if we continue to call ourselves New Bedford Women's Center. They think they have to go to New Bedford for services, and that's not true. We have offices in Fall River. So we now serve from Somerset and Swansea all the way down to Wareham. Okay. And that was the Residential Care Consortium in Fall River that you joined with? It was, yes. With? That's when we um, – that was a few years later. We, we first took over 
a DPH, a Department of Public Health contract, and expanded services to Fall River. And then some years later, we merged with our sister's place, which was Residential Care Consortium, so that we took on another shelter and, and made that merger happen because it, it made sense. We were already serving the area. And besides the uh, Women's Center in New Bedford and the three residential facilities, I know that you also provide outreach services or in-house services, I guess maybe is a better word. We do. We, uh, we have, have PowerPoint will travel, as we say, and we do provide services to any organization that wants to learn about our services. We would provide a, uh, an overview of our services. But also we're in the schools. We're in the, uh, a number of schools in the area, as many as we can do. We have one education coordinator and uh, providing prevention education for teen dating violence, um, healthy relationships, and as, as much as we can get around, we do. As, uh, the unfortunate fact is that, uh, that we have a tendency in America to pay for services but not for prevention. Mm. You know, and we sure. absolutely have to start moving upstream, as we call it. You know, there's the old story about the village that saw people floating down the stream and kept pulling the bodies out of the stream until somebody finally said, why don't we go upstream and find out why they're falling in, in the river to begin with? And that's what we need to do. We need to move upstream and start providing prevention education much earlier and much more uh, broadly so In that many, we many can areas. avoid the services. Yes, you know, I've been advocating for years that we need to teach children, starting really in elementary schools, financial education. Yes. We don't teach it in our school systems. We don't teach it in elementary school or middle school or high school. And No one has piggy banks anymore. No. I remember when I was little and the relatives would come, the first thing that um, they would say to me is, get your piggy bank. And we all had piggy banks when we were little and we learned that, you know, if we wanted to buy something, uh, it, it was important. You know, did we want to take money out of that bank? Was it important enough for us to take money out of the piggy bank to buy it? And uh, and so, you know, you learn a, a little bit about how to handle money. And I, I don't think kids have that anymore. No, they don't. You know, when I was in school, I remember we used to have these cardboard containers that would fold open. And yes. you could put nickels and dimes and quarters in. You yes. could save money. And then when you filled the card, you'd turn it in. And it would go into a bank account. Right. And everybody had a bank account, and you saved money. Right. Why don't we do that anymore? If anybody's listening who is an educator, let's figure out how we can teach financial education, starting with the youngest kids of all. You know, we, we need to teach this. It's extremely important. Yeah. And I, I see for our clients, one of the most important thing for them is to help them to retrieve financial stability because one of the ways that people – end up staying in violence, one of the reasons that keeps them there, is dependability, mm. financial dependability. They need to become independent. They need to be able to stand on their own. And then, as I say, then you can choose a, a mate that, that complements you, that doesn't support you, but that complements you because you can support yourself. Instead of making bad decisions financially, right. sure. So I know you do education. You, you do counseling. You do outreach. Um, and I assume you refer people to other organizations do you ever find I'm asking questions that I don't know the answer to? So that's good. Let's let's assume that somebody has been sexually assaulted and shows up on your doorstep. Are you able to immediately refer them to a counselor or, or send them to the hospital and make yes. sure they get proper treatment? Absolutely, we have walk-in services. We're open uh, 8:30 to 4:30 every day, so someone can just walk in for services. We have a 24-hour hotline, so at any time they connect with the hotline for counseling and for follow-up. And what then, is that? What is that number? 
That number is 508-999-6636. Okay, we'll repeat that again. It's a very important number, and it is your connection, as we say, to a future free from violence. Okay, does your organization have a board of directors? We do, uh, and we have uh, anywhere from 12 to 15 members at any time. They're wonderful volunteers from the community, and they are you know, boards are always volunteers, and they give of their time. They come uh, once a month for meetings, and then they help out with our special events. And we have a wonderful, really committed board that has been, many members have been with us for some time because they, this mission is near and dear to their hearts. Good. I want to come back to that point in just one minute. I want to give you a quick quotation, which is, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. Abraham Lincoln, U.S. President. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking this morning with Pamela McLeod-Lima, who's the executive director of the Women's Center. We'll be right back after a short break. Please stay tuned. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Ray Lance. And folks, we know that Ray and USA Wealth Group do all they can to help you protect your money and, of course, your family. And what a fabulous guest we have on Mother's Day. Nobody more in this community. I respect for what you do, Pamela, than you and the Women's Center. God bless you. Thank you, Phil. You've always been a great supporter of our work, and we so appreciate it. So welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. To, and we're talking with uh, Pamela McLeod-Lima, the executive director of the Women's Center. I want to mention that there are some other interesting events taking place today on Mother's Day. Uh, there's a great organization called the Women's Fund. And they're celebrating their 15th anniversary this year, and they're having a Women's Fund Tiara 5K race today in Mattapoisett. And it's probably not too late. The race actually starts at 9.30 a.m. And I'm not sure if the beginning point is the Oxford Creamery on Route 6 in Mattapoisa, but I know that they are the sponsor. If you want some last-minute information, call them at 508-717-0283. And I know at 9 o'clock, uh, not too long from right now when this show is being broadcast, there's a kid's fun run for children ages 3 to 12 years old This is a big fundraising event uh, for the Women's Fund, and if you can support it and have an opportunity to uh, participate, uh, I understand you get free ice cream afterwards as well. That's right. So you can work off some energy and then put it all back on again. So don't overlook the Women's Fund Tiara 5K race taking place in Mattapoisett today. Uh, The Women's Fund is a fundraising and grant-making organization and I think they make an excess of fifty thousand oh, dollars on yeah. this one Last event. Year fifty-five thousand. They sure. do grants. Uh, they support uh, positive changes in the local communities. So get out and support this organization. Now, Pamela, back to you in the Women's Center. I know the Women's Center is also doing a fundraiser in uh, June. I believe it's a golf tournament. Yes, we uh, we we. This has been an event for twenty years for the Women's Center. It's one of our signature events, and uh, we love golfers because they come every year and they help us to raise money for... uh, We actually have uh, required to do a 25% match of state funding. So this kind of event leverages hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we're very... We love our golfers. So part of your funding comes from uh, state funding, and part of it comes from private donations as well. 
Yes, absolutely. We we are very fortunate, and then we do have uh, two two major state funding lines. But as I said, that comes with a requirement to match. Sure. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, save this particular date if you're interested in participating in the Women's Center 20th Annual Golf Outing. It's on June 15, 2015. It's going to be at the Acoxit Club in Westport, and it's a beautiful facility. It's not what you think of as traditional Westport. You have to actually cross the river and go into Rhode Island, and then you yes. go down, and there's a little piece of Westport known as Acoxit. There's a big mansion there, and there's a beautiful golf club, golf course, the Okoxit Club. Um, it's $150 per person. It's $600 for a foursome. Um, you know, I'm not a golfer. I'm what's called in the trade as a duffer. Uh. I've played golf once, and um, I just can't get my hands around that. But uh, that uh, price of $150 per person includes two meals, a golf court, Golf cart, excuse me, a round of golf, snacks, beverages, and a golf gift bag. And most importantly, it helps raise some needed funds for the Women's Center. Absolutely. Is that, is that your largest fundraising event that you have? It, it is now. We used to have uh, two signature events, this event and Menu Cook. And unfortunately, Menu Cook was uh, shut down by the uh, public health officials uh, and we've tried to sort of revive that in different ways, and we're still trying to think of a way that we can still do that because it was uh, an event that was linked very well with, uh, with the Women's Center and, and our golf tournament as well. That's, that's been with us for 20 years. It's a wonderful tournament. And as you said, it, it raises money. The, the golfers come out. They have a really good day. They have fun. They get to play golf, and they also get to benefit a great cause, and they like that part of it too. They're really committed to doing that. And if somebody's interested in participating, how would they get more information? Well, they should call the Women's Center at 993-996-3343 uh, and okay. speak with Annie. Annie. Annie's our golf organizer. Annie the golfer. Yes, okay. Annie's the golf organizer. Does she play golf also? I don't think she does, no, but her husband does, and he's been one of our great uh, golf committee uh, chairs and really helps to make sure that this event works well. Um, without Annie and Michael, we you know we wouldn't have a golf tournament anymore because they came along at a time when we were needing to switch gears on it and uh, really help to keep it together and keep it going, which is great. Mm. Well, I have to say that you know I'm, I don't play golf, but I know where all the local golf courses are, and the Acoxa Club is probably one of the most magnificent. It's right in the edge of the water. It's beautiful vistas, and if you'd like to support it, um, please give them a call and sign up. Thank you. Now, I want to give you another quotation. This is also from Abraham Lincoln. All I am or can be, I owe to my angel mother. So wow. he obviously had a lot of reverence for his mother. And this is from George Washington. George Washington said, My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. George Washington said that. And then later, Andrew Jackson, another U.S. president, said, There never was a woman like her. She was gentle as a dove and brave as a lioness. The memory of my mother and her teachings were, after all, the only capital I had to start life with. And on that capital, I have made my way. So I think a lot of people, I think all of us, and including a lot of very famous people, recognize the debt that we owe to our mothers. 
So happy Mother's Day as we celebrate Mother's Day today. And grandmothers. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm going to make an offer to you, Pamela. If sometime you have a board of directors meeting, I would be willing to come and give a presentation for about 10 or 15 minutes. It wouldn't take more than that. And talk about some interesting ways that you could raise even more funds for the Women's Center. Well, that would, we certainly wouldn't turn down that offer. And here's a quick example. Uh, if you have benefactors who, say, make donations every year, there are some people typically who will donate to one particular group. One of the ways they can really multiply their gift is by using life insurance. And I've spoken to other nonprofit organizations about this in the past. So let's say you had somebody who regularly gives $2,000 a year to the Women's Center. You may have donors in that capacity. What they could do is they could still give $1,000 to the Women's Center and put $1,000 into a life insurance policy. And then when that person passes away, that might generate a $100,000 benefit. Whereas if that same individual gave $2,000 for five more years and then perhaps died, unfortunately, that whole line of contribution is going to be gone. Mm -hmm. So it's a way to really magnify the impact of somebody's gift. And um, there are other things of that nature. But if you would like to do that at some point, uh, that would be I'd be wonderful. happy to if do we that. We never turn down financial advice. If you're a nonprofit, you know uh, how valuable it, that is. And uh, we certainly wouldn't turn that down. We, we are, as I said, obligated to raise uh, a good deal of money every year. We have some generous donors. Good. And it, it's a great way to, to find out other ways that we could challenge them to help us and uh, and, and, and increase their, their gift and their donation, mm -hmm. I think many of our donors would be very happy to do that. One other quick thing that I'll mention, and again, we could go into it in more detail, is that you could have people designate benefits in retirement accounts, and I'm not sure if people have thought about doing that. You can do a planned giving program, and maybe you have that already, I don't know. We do to a certain extent, but we have a small shop, so it's one of those things, the major gifts and the planned giving part you know, there never seems to be enough time to, to dedicate enough effort to that. Sure. But it is it is a goal of ours, absolutely, to do, you know, to uh, to make people understand about charitable remainder trusts mm -hmm. and other ways that they can give. Yep. In my office at USA Wealth Group, we do a fair amount of work with uh, nonprofit organizations, and we do work with charitable remainder trust. And it's a way that somebody can put their own funds into a charitable remainder trust, create an income source for them during their own lifetime. Right. And then when they're gone, there's a remainder interest left over for the nonprofit. So there are a variety of things. I could, without even putting together a one-page outline, I could keep going and list a bunch of things that could be done. Well, I'm not leaving here without your contact information. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you my card, and, and we'll, we'll definitely make that arrangement. Um, Thank you. Nonprofits are so busy typically doing what they do that they don't often have the time to put together language, you know, which we can provide for you about wills and trusts and Absolutely. bequest language, bequest programs. And it can be so important for the future of a wonderful organization like the Women's Center. So we'll, we'll do that. We'll, uh, wonderful. We'll get together. And there's no cost to do that. Um, do you find, uh, do you ever deal with the, an, an older population at the Women's Center, or are you dealing primarily with a younger population? No, as I said, we really cross the any age barriers. We, we uh, help people from really the cradle to the grave, as we say. And we have had some elders, and we have provided compassionate care 
for a number of elders who have been subjected to, really, interestingly enough, financial abuse. Mm. Uh, that's one of the things that happens is when they're in the care of someone else um, and they really don't know what's happening with their money. We've had that happen with a couple of disabled individuals mm-hmm. and with an elder. And, of course, one of the things that we, we tell people, and it's absolutely true, is that our services, in addition to being free, are also completely confidential. Now, the only thing that trumps confidentiality would be if we saw somebody in danger sure. of, of more abuse, and that would be an elder, a disabled person, or a child uh, that we feel is in a situation where they could be further abused. And in that case, we would we would have to report that abuse. And we also make sure that we are, we are there to help. We, we have had elders in our shelter. We've had disabled individuals in our shelters. Mm-hmm. And uh, we absolutely do our best to change the situation for them to make sure that they get taken care of appropriately and they're no sure. longer. And, and financial abuse is a, is a big part of domestic violence. We see a lot of it. Um, it's, it's more prevalent than people realize. And children will often try to take advantage of their parents financially. And or other caregivers. And, and yes. it, can be a care, it can be a caregiver problem, especially with the disabled or the elderly. Right. So if you see something like that, get some attention, get some help, report it. Contact the Women's Center, contact our office. We can refer you to appropriate agencies. And I know one of the things you do also is you refer people to other agencies. So maybe there there might be another elder organization that you could report people to or refer people to, rather. Absolutely. We do work very closely with other organizations, with Bristol Elder, um, with Coastline Elderly. We also work with uh, Career Center. We We say that why we say we're, we're the door to a future free from violence is that in addition to our services, the therapeutic services, the counseling and support, we make sure that people get connected with those services that they need to live an independent, violence-free life. Mm-hmm. And that includes housing. It includes DTA assistance sometimes, financial assistance, career counseling, uh, help, as I said, we, working with uh, the elder services, to make sure if it is an elder that that they have the services in place that they need even to return to the home that they just came from. A lot of people don't understand that that domestic violence is a very broad term and that that abuse, financial abuse, is under that umbrella. And that is something that we're concerned about. Right. And sometimes financial abuse leads to other problems. We had an unfortunate case just in the last few weeks in our community. We saw an article in the paper where Charges have been filed against a gentleman for not taking care of his mother, and um, I believe she died as well. And we won't go into the details of that, but it it does happen, unfortunately. Yes, well, it's it's very broad-ranging. I mean, in the particular case of an elder that we served, not only was she, she, her her finances were being uh, drained away, um, her support was being drained away, but also she wasn't getting the care. She had diabetes. She had a number of health issues. She wasn't getting the care that she needed for those. So it's 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 just one part mm-hmm. of the right. abuse very often. Let me give you a quick checklist of, of 10 ways to help your mother or your parents if they need help. Um, start with what's most critical, first of all. Make sure that their immediate needs, food, shelter, and medical care are taken care of. Um, only help with their needs, not with their wants. Uh, one of the things that we see is I see a goodly number of elderly people whose favorite activity is Foxwoods. 
Yes. And I've had people who had perfect credit. I had one case in particular. I actually visited this lady in her apartment in New Bedford. And she had, uh, I think, three or four rooms. And two of the rooms you could not even walk in. She had a little corridor. And they were stacked with books and boxes and things that she had bought, hoping to win a sweepstakes. Oh, dear. And she had been suckered in. And she had been parlaying all this on credit cards. She had four or five credit cards. She would borrow money from one credit card to make the minimum payments on the other. And she had reached a level of having $50,000 of credit card debt with no way to pay it. Uh, She had children. And how could the children not have visited her and realized what was going on in her apartment unless they didn't visit her? That could be Um, uh, We actually referred her to somebody to file a bankruptcy petition because that was her only way out. And the credit card companies called, and they were shocked. They said, but she has perfect credit. She pays on time. Yes, but she's made this pyramid of credit card debt. She was robbing from Peter to pay Paul. Right. And it was an addiction. Um, Protect your parents' uh, credit. Um, Don't co-sign on your parents' loans. Don't let them co-sign on your loans. Because if you can't make a payment, you're going to impact your parents' credit as well. Help them reduce their assets. Sometimes they may need to... Apply for government assistance like MassHealth, Medicaid, for example. And in order to be eligible, they may have to move around some of their assets or reposition their assets. Um, my wife does a lot of that kind of work with Medicaid planning, for mm-hmm. example, at Lance Law, Inc., uh, Attorney Tenny Lance. And don't touch protected assets too quickly. There's a way to withdraw from retirement accounts, and there's a way not to withdraw from retirement accounts. You can trigger excessive income. I know, uh, as I mentioned, my mother lived with me for 16 years. Um, If you have that situation, depending upon the amount of support you provide, you can claim them as a dependent on your tax return, which I actually did, Um, and help them with uh, dollars any way you can, but make sure you're doing it in a sensible way. Make sure your own finances are in order, of course. We have a lot of uh, material in our office. Having a financial discussion with a parent or a mother is a very difficult conversation. Older people, especially if they're older than we are in this room, uh, tend to be very private, very confidential. They don't want to ask for help. But sometimes you have to be a little bit more sensitive to what's going on and offer help. People are very, very private about their money. Yes, they are. I remember that my sister once made a recommendation for an, an attorney for my aunt, for one of my aunts. And this friend called her at one point and said, you have to tell your aunt, she has to tell me where her money is. She has to tell me what she has. I can't financially plan for her. But she was so used to, for so many years, being very secretive about it. It turned out she had a lot of different pockets of money, but she had a hard time even telling her own attorney about it. Uh, I think at a certain age, people were very, very private about their finances. I had a client once who lived in Melville Towers. This was back in 1970. She was my, I was practicing law at that point. She was my client number five. And she insisted that I go visit her in her apartment because she was petrified. If something happened to her, she didn't want the, the management people, the maintenance people to go in and go searching through her apartments. And she had money hidden in about eight different locations. And every month she wanted me to go over and take a look and see where her money was hidden. And then she had some very specific uses, and I regarded that as a sacred duty. Yes. And when she did pass, and mm-hmm. my card was everywhere in her apartment and her wallet, they called me, and 
I went over and I retrieved all of her funds. And it wasn't a huge amount. It was like $1,500. And I did with it exactly what she wanted me to do with it. And that that had become like a, a sacred trust to do something like that. But you're right. It was very common in, in, in uh, my grandmother's generation to hide money in the house, to have different places where you put money. And I, I think it had to do with coming from Europe, which was often unsettled, and you never knew when you might have to flee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you needed some money in the house immediately available to you. And they didn't trust banks either. That oh, much. no. No. Well, we're talking this morning, ladies and gentlemen, with Pamela McLeod Lima, who's the executive director of the Women's Center for the last uh, 13 years at least, I guess. Yes, yes. And uh, it's a wonderful organization that really helps a lot of people in crisis, including mothers and young mothers and older mothers and people who have been victims of abuse. You know, something you could do for Mother's Day, maybe your own mother isn't here. Why don't you make a donation to the Women's Center? That would be a lovely thing to do in memory of your mother. That would be wonderful. Thank you for that. We do serve many, many moms and their children. That's right. So if your own mother isn't with you any longer and you'd like to do something that would be in remembrance of her, what number could they call you at? What number could they call the center? They can call our regular our business number, which is 996-3343. And don't forget our hotline number, 999-6636, which is if you need help and you need to talk to a counselor, that hotline is there 24-7. We're always there at the other end of the line. Good. And make sure that your, your parents, your mother, have appropriate legal documents in place. For example, they should have at a minimum a healthcare proxy, a durable power of attorney. So if they can't sign their name, and perhaps you, as one of the children, can sign for them. You know, get in touch with attorney Tenny Lance at the Lance Law Inc. firm. Or, you know, contact your own lawyer. Make sure those appropriate documents are there. Uh, they're very necessary. Did you know, for example, that if you don't have a health care uh, proxy uh, for your parent, if your parent hasn't given you a health care proxy, and they require medical care that the hospital and the doctor's offices are not allowed to tell you what's going on unless you have a health care proxy. So have that kind of a conversation with your parents, with your mother. Make sure that you can have a money conversation with them. Just say, look, our goal is to help you. We want to do something that makes sure that if you have a need, we can help you do that. Documents are so important. In fact, that's part of what we do in safety planning for individuals that are at risk is to make sure that they have all their documentation together mm-hmm. so that they know where it is if they should have to leave for some reason because they're in danger. It's, it's very important that you know where all the documents in your, that, that control your life, like yes. your Social Security card and all of that, you need to know where that is. And you're right. I, I have personal experience of how important a health care proxy is because my husband got very ill last year. And in fact, they, they, you, that's the first thing they ask for at the hospital. Yes. Is there a proxy? Right. Is there a power of an attorney? Right. You know, and that's very, very important. I'd just like to remind everyone listening that one of the major fundraisers that the Women's Center does every year is their annual golf outing. This year it will be the 20th annual golf outing on June 15, 2015. It's going to be at a beautiful location in Westport, Mass. at the Acoxic Club. June 15th, and it's $150 per person. But this is a major fundraiser for the Women's Center. So if you're a golfer and you can do it, you'll have fun and you'll do something wonderful for a great organization. 
Now, what's what's the nature of the exemption status? Is it a 501c3 organization? It is. We are a 501c3, so that's recognized by the IRS. And uh, we've had that designation since the 1970s when we began. And so a 501c3 means that somebody can donate money to it and take a tax deduction for right. it as well. So that's a very important uh, designation. Um, how many people do you have on staff, roughly? We have about 52. Wow, that's a big and, organization. Uh, yes, we have, because we, we have a number of relief staff, uh, overnight staff, as well as a uh, our daytime staff. And, and we also have four sites. So we have, uh, we have our, our, our administrative site. We have three shelters. We have also a site in Fall River where victims can go and receive services. So um, we're pretty busy. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is a, a jewel in New Bedford. It's an organization that's designed to help people in crisis, women in crisis, both younger and older, um, do something to help them and do something to honor your mother today. And as a final reminder, the Women's Fund uh, today is having their 15th anniversary 5K race. It's called the Women's Fund Tiara 5K. I'm not sure if they give out a tiara for everybody that runs, but they <laughs> that might. That would be fun. Yeah, wouldn't it? might it? be difficult to run with a tiara on, though. You can barely walk with one on. All, all of our uh, female runners are queens, and, and to be honored, absolutely. Well, Pamela McLeod-Lima, the Executive Director of the Women's Center, thank you so much for joining us this morning and telling us more about the important work that you do. And um, we appreciate the services you provide Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If we can help you at USA Wealth Group protect your family and protect your future, give us a call at 508-998-8858, and we'll be happy to help protect your mother. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers listening. And until next Sunday, on behalf of everyone, have a beautiful week.